This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast, episode 128. Welcome to the Joyful Courage Podcast, my friends. Yes, a place to be inspired, informed, and hopefully entertained on the parenting journey. I'm your host, Casey O'Rourke, parent coach, positive discipline trainer, and even more importantly, mother to two children who teach me every single day about how to practice showing up in a way that is helpful, connected, and humble who also point out when I'm not showing up that way. (laughs) When we choose into joyful courage, we are choosing into rejoicing in the opportunities for self-growth and discovery that exist on the parenting journey. Yes, I did say rejoicing in those opportunities and it's work, but so worth it. The path we are searching for is in our practice. Super grateful you're here to practice with me. Thank you so much for being a part of the community. Enjoy the show. All right. My guest today is Liz Blackwell-Moore. I connected with Liz through my friend and one of your favorite podcast guests, Julieta Skoog from besproutable.com. I am so excited to have Liz on today to talk about an incredibly relevant topic, kids and drugs. Hooray! <laughs> I know no one really wants to talk about this, but we're going to. And and my hope is, as always, is that it's entertaining and informative and leaves you with some tools to take away. Liz has been working in the field of substance use since 2000. Her current work involves working with community coalitions and organizations to provide training on prevention strategies, as well as technical assistance to translate public health research into practice and implement a restorative trauma-informed approach to addressing public health problems. I'm so glad that you're doing the work that you're doing, Liz. And basically, she is going to break it all down for us in a way, again, that is helpful. And FYI, Liz lives in Portland, Maine with her wife and two happy kids and a puppy. God bless you. Hi, Liz. (laughs) Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Please share a little bit about your journey of doing what you do. 
Well, um, I started after college, I um, started as a case manager and I worked with folks who had all had um, HIV and they also had substance use and mental health disorders. And they usually came to our program because they were homeless. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that time of doing that work, um, I really, I loved doing work with individuals, but I found that I kept looking back like how did they get here how Mm. it was clear there had been there were so many similarities between many of them in which systems families um had really had had failed them in many ways you Mm. know where they had had bumps and obstacles over the way over their life and there weren't really supports and people there to help them through that. And then those things only sort of ma- were made worse. And so I found that I kept thinking about how could we have prevented this from happening? Um, so I went back to public health school to really think more and, and do more research on how do we prevent specifically substance use. Um, so then for the last 12, 13 years, I've been doing prevention work, mostly in in and around Portland, Maine, some, Mm. a little bit of stuff I've been doing um, statewide, but it's really been thinking about systems, which families fit into, you know, that idea of systems. Um, And how can we make those systems better for, for young people so that they can move through their young years and enter adulthood as like healthy and more stable people with supports in their lives. Awesome. And so you went from this whole like kind of um, my, my hands up in the air, like looking at the bigger picture. And now you and on top of it, you give presentations to parents. So what kind of has guided you in? And I think I know the answer to this, but tell us a little bit about then taking that big system um, view and bringing it right in front of parents. Yeah. So, I mean, I think part of the work has always been, so there I've worked with schools. I work with, um, you know, people who work with kids like in, in, um, child development programs or after school programming. I work with the police. I work with city officials and healthcare. So the work has always been about everyone, like that we all have this role in keeping kids from using. And then of course, parents play such a crucial role. And so, Throughout that time, a lot of it has been, how do we really build the knowledge and skills of parents? Because it's hard to do parenting. It's not easy. Oh, and I think, yeah, the, yeah and the more <laughs> that we sort of, a lot of our work is about, so then how do we do really build skills? Because I can do presentations, which of course I like doing because I'm, I'm happy to talk about it. But I found that really doing small group discussion work where we I present some of the research and then we say, what do we know about parenting? And then we work through what does it actually mean and how do we implement it into our own lives as parents? So it really becomes like a discussion amongst parents. And I can't tell you how much I've learned from doing those discussions with hundreds, you know, probably upwards of 600 parents. Mm -hmm. I have learned more than I could ever have imagined. And it's been so helpful for me in my own parenting um, as I have a eight and a 12 year old. So mm-hmm. I'm certainly heading towards, you know, the adolescent phase myself. Yeah. Well, and anybody who's been listening to me, especially this last fall. So my daughter, we have moved into, and I, as I was looking at your material, Liz, I saw the phrase risk-taking years. Mm. So, so we are <laughs> head first into the risk-taking years over mm. here. Um, my daughter is halfway through her first year of high school. Um, yeah, and and it's interesting 
I'll say it's interesting. It's that's the word I'm going to choose. It's interesting <laughs> how off guard it's taken. Like I just I, mm. I thought, you know, I thought I knew what it would feel like. And listeners, excuse me, I'm going to say this again. It's like being pregnant and you read about childbirth and then you're like, oh, yeah, OK. And then you're in in labor and it's like, what the Whoa. F yeah. is going on? <laughs> right. That's kind of how this last fall has been for me. It's yeah. like, OK, I you know, I mean, I'm a parent educator. I've got this down. <laughs> right, right. And then it's like, oh, actually, I had no idea it was going to feel the way it feels and mm. that my control um, buttons were actually so primed and ready to be pushed. And um, yeah, and this whole like her out in the world, actually the one making the choices has been um, really tough for me personally to embrace. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I, I, my mom used to describe this to me. She described to me later after, of course, I was an adolescent myself, but she said the teenage years, it's kind of like you're in one boat and your teenagers in the other boat and you have ropes between you <laughs> and you're trying to let out, you know, knots and they're trying to grab them. And sometimes you're trying to pull the knots back in and pull them closer <laughs> and they're trying to let go. You know, it's kind of like a game of back and forth yeah. as you try to, as, because they might have times where they really need you and mm -hmm. want you and mm -hmm. they're not really sure why or what that feels like. It's a time of super huge change for them and you. And it can be incredibly awesome and really cool to watch them through the change. And it can be really such a struggle as Ugh. they maybe try to let out, you know, the, the rope way too fast. For yeah. You. Or just, or basically just, Hey, listen, I'm going to toss this rope out. Right. <laughs> it's like, right. no, hold on no, the don't the rope. <laughs> exactly. Like you're going to need that. It's, we're not quite there yet. Yeah. yeah. So I think, and so much of that has to do with their brain development yeah. and like what's happening during adolescence. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that. What happens? Yeah, so I think, yeah, so some of the things I think are really interesting about, so the brain is built like a house. It's really built over time and it's built, you know, with, from the bottom up. And so there's really this, and it's built with like a lots of input and people doing it. It doesn't get just built by itself, right? The brain isn't like the heart or the lungs that comes mm -hmm. out fairly developed. It's really through interactions and the environment in which they develop. And in the in the adolescent years, like in those teen years and in the, into the twenties, the first, the part of the brain that's kind of fully re rearing to go at 13, 12, 13 is that reward center. The one that's most responds to risky and exciting experiences. So like Great. you're experiencing, <laughs> it's, it's fully developed and ready to go. At the and what does time, that mean? So what does that mean? Like, can you just kind of tease that apart a little bit? So there's this reward center in the brain which means that the messaging of that is is loud. Yeah, so it's so they are get so the volume gets sort of turned up when they become stimulated by things. So okay. like for us when we experience something that feels good, mm -hmm. you know, we get this warm nice feeling across our body like we just achieved something or we went skiing and it felt really good or mm -hmm. you went, you know, on a run and it felt good. And you know your reward dial kind of gets turned up and you feel good. Mm -hmm. Well for them their reward dial gets super turned up when they get 
when they do something exciting and risky, like okay. way more than ours does. Like it, and so that means that when they do something really ex- exciting, they get like a huge bur- bur- like burst of of that warm feeling, and so they want to keep doing it. And what's interesting is that. Well, you know, so that's kind of turned up. And at the same time, you have the front part of the brain, which is the one that controls judgment and reasoning and your ability to control emotions is not fully developed yet. And it's not really integrated with the rest of the brain. And so what happens is you have this sort of turning up of the, you know, let's try new things. And then while their ability to sort of make judgments and actually control their impulses, their like desire is, mm-hmm. is lit more limited. And they right. also have this thing where they actually have, can have really, um, they have reasoned through why they're doing something. But what we know is that their reasoning may skew it way to the pro side and they think the cons aren't so bad. <sighs> oh and my gosh. <laughs> so annoying. <laughs> well, you know, what's so crazy is it is, but here's the thing without that, without their desire to want to try new things and go do things and be out there in the world and meet new people. And how would they ever leave home? Yeah. Why would they ever venture out, you know, and like find new, new people? How would you ever get them to leave your house? You wouldn't. It's like such a biological necessary thing. Yeah, totally. And it's so frustrating and hard to deal with, I think at the time, but it also can be really cool to watch them and what they actually what they do to us actually is they start challenging the status quo in ways that can be really cool because they're like wait why have you always done it this way i don't know why that doesn't make sense and sometimes Mm -hmm. they're really right and sometimes they're just challenging to challenge but all of those things are going to need as they like move into adulthood yeah we had this well i have so many stories here one is i dan i've heard dan siegel say If it wasn't for adolescence, we never would have left the cave. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) And I appreciate that. And like just last night, so my daughter is going to be 15. Holy cow. Um, Oh, two weeks from tomorrow. And today is Thursday, the the 4th of January when we're recording. And so she found a concert that she wants to go to. And, you know, nothing makes me feel older and more lame than my daughter's music <laughs> choice because it's like and listeners I know you've heard me talk about this but oh my gosh it's just really explicit lots of the f word lots of drug reference like it's so ugh. like back in our days you know granted I loved the hair bands but there was metaphor she's my mm. cherry pie like Maybe he is singing about pie, you know, I mean, we could pretend, but no, there is no metaphor in these, in this music. Anyway, she wants to go and I'm like, uh, with her friend and her friend's, you know, uncle who I've never met. Anyway, she says to me, I'm like, Rowan, it's just so hard because this music, it's just, and she said, mom, didn't you like music that your parents didn't like when you were a teenager? Like she just put it right back on me. She knows. Yeah. You know, sure enough. Yes, that is true. And you know, anyway, so they're smart. Yeah. 
Yes. And there's so much about picking battles and figuring yeah. out which ones are the ones that you really, and which ones do you just advise on? And which ones do you make a comment on? Which do you just totally not say anything about? Oh my gosh, it's so and hard. And which ones do you really say? Like this one, I'm really standing firm on. We can talk about it, but I still, you know, I'm yeah. really setting down some, some bigger expectations and bigger you know, we're going to have more conversations about this thing. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's really hard to figure out where totally. that is. And each kid is so different too. I mean, what motivates them, what their challenges are, are all very different. And that's going to mean something different for each child, really. Yeah. Well, and, and so pot marijuana is a great example of this because yeah, you and I both live in states where it's now legal recreational mm -hmm. use, not legal for 14 year olds, Right. But it's there's this um, I don't know it, it it it's kind of taken away the like it it no longer seems to belong in this category of of hard drugs whether or not it was actually there I mean full disclosure mm -hmm. and I shared this with you Liz before the show everyone I smoked a lot of pot in college <laughs> and in my twenties <laughs> I'm just gonna be honest here right so there's this. And now I'm the mother and now my daughter is mm -hmm. being confronted by this, like, try it, don't try it. And so I, before we go there, like, what does the science say about... Hey friends, as a podcast listener myself, I always get so excited to share when I find a new show that I think is super useful. So today I want to tell you about Understood Explains. This is a podcast that tackles one important topic per season. And this season is all about navigating individualized education plans and is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. Getting the support our kids need in school can feel tricky, and we aren't always sure what it is that they need. When I listened to the episode titled, Does My Child Need an IEP?, it offered up so much useful information that I could really see supporting parents who are in this consideration. The host is so knowledgeable and really breaks down the content in a way that helps listener go from completely overwhelmed to actually starting to feel empowered. Other episodes in the series highlight the difference between IEPs and 504 plans, as well as a whole episode that busts common myths about special education. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Understood Explains. So check it out. You won't be sorry. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God, spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 
35 different meal choices and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. marijuana and use in the early years and like what's the hard cold facts yeah and great question because i think there is so much misinformation and i think that there has been a lot of um changing perceptions right among yeah. and like lots of parents smoked a lot themselves when they're younger and so they're thinking oh this is really not a big deal it's like i shouldn't worry about it so much and well, I think i'm worried well, we know- but i and it's not so much it's not a big deal but i wasn't 14 Right. And, and I wasn't the mom. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, so what I, what I say is, so I have been researching marijuana for, you know, a long time now looking at what's the latest research. And I think what we luckily have now is the National Academy of Sciences came out with a, basically they did research on the research. Mm -hmm. So it's like the gold standard for research because it's really about looking through all of it, which one's valid, which one's not, what, what do, you know, what do we know? And, and they've come with up with some pretty things that are pretty conclusive in terms of ways in which it's harmful. And one of those things is really around young people using and that it's, it has lots of harms for young people. And those things are things like they really um, has impacts on their problems with learning and memory. So it has, you know, that sort of stereotype of somebody who smokes too much weed, can't remember anything. Well, there's a reason for that because right. it really has an impact on the neurons in between the synapses so that it really has, makes it so that people have a hard time connecting um, neurons when they're, and so they have a hard time with memory, like having mm-hmm. those memories get connected, having chains of memories and then being able to remember them in the future. And so it has an, especially on young people, because their brains are really developing. And so we know it also has a, like pretty significant effects on their mental health. And um, so young people who use regularly, which, you know, is- What does that mean, it's, regularly? It, well, what, what they usually say is regularly is once every 30 days, like if you've used oh. in the last 30 days. And so that, and again, like, the more you use, the more this might be likely to be true for you. Mm-hmm. And we know that young people who use have are two times more likely to experience depression mm-hmm. and three times more likely to have um, suicidal thoughts. Mm-hmm. And so some of it is that kids are self-medicating, right? So some is, is there's it, the research actually goes both ways. So we know the kids who have some mental health issues are more likely to use marijuana as a way to relieve what they feel like is relieving some of that stress. Mm -hmm. And it also is true that those who start have more likely to develop these problems. Got it. And part, and part of the reason for this is really interesting. The way marijuana 
it actually does help the initially it can make people feel calm and relaxed mm -hmm. because it binds four times stronger than the than their your natural chemicals that bind to the receptors to make you feel relaxed well after you and feel so super it, paranoid <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> right so i mean it it, it can do that mm -hmm. it's just that what happens is the brain likes to do what's easy and right. so over time the brain is more likely to be like well it can't relax without marijuana because it works so much better got it and so that's kind of how you get into this phase of wanting to do it over and over again um, and kind of needing it to mm -hmm. be calm and relaxed. And some people do get super paranoid mm -hmm. and some people don't. I mean, it's, that's, what's hard about it is that it's really different for each person. And so their experience with it is different. But what we do know is if you continue to use it as a young person, it can have a lot of, you know, mental health problems later in your life. And does it matter if it's, being smoked or eaten because I know like I mean I was hearing about the edibles showing up at the football games right under the grown-ups yeah. noses oh yeah yeah no it doesn't matter because all okay. of that this that I'm talking about mm -hmm. is all the brain stuff okay it's not the lungs and all that this is just how it impacts the brain yeah um so that's really happens no matter how it gets into your system yeah so side little side tangent what about yeah. vaping so yes. I know this and not necessarily vaping marijuana, but vaping it just, oh my God, anything. It's yeah. so lame. Like this fruity <laughs> oil that's just right. basically like, look at me blowing this giant cloud of smoke. I mean, what? Yeah. Tell me about yeah. that, because that is yeah, a thorn well, in my side. Yeah. So vaping is an interesting thing. Of course, it's like the tobacco companies are always looking for a new way to, Ugh, to suck them. in young people. Yes. That is like for sure what's happening. Like who, what adult wants to, to, use, to smoke something like candy cane flavored or cotton candy? <laughs> like they don't like right. that is purely for children. Yeah. Um, so there's definitely that piece of it, like trying to suck in kids. And I think that there's what we know is definitely a lot more young people are using vaping mm -hmm. as a way, like in general. And some of them are doing just the flavoring. Yeah. And in the flavoring, because it hasn't really been regulated very well by the FDA or at all until more recently, they're supposed to start reporting what they're putting in it. We actually don't really know exactly what's in it. Um, the tobacco companies say there's nothing bad in it, but of course, we don't right. you know, really know what it is. And then lots of kids are putting nicotine in it, whether yeah. it's small amounts or, um, and then you can also use, you can actually put marijuana buds into a vape. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you can just, they put in dabs, which are like really highly concentrated mm -hmm. THC. Mm -hmm. So like the whole thing, what it, what, what I consistently say is all drugs, whether it's nicotine, alcohol, and or marijuana or other drugs, they all have a similar, uh, a way of impacting that reward center of the brain. And so what we know about them all is they all put you, a young person, at greater risk for addiction later in life because of the way they impact the brain. So this idea about like the gateway drug is marijuana. Well, in the end, they all are all of them can be, they're mm -hmm. all, and it's not about like you smoke weed and now you, your dealer gives you something else. No, it's really about how it impacts the brain and that the brain can get rewired in ways that make it like basically prime it for addiction. Mm -hmm. 
So I, mean, I think that's the concern is really about how do we keep them waiting as long as possible? Or if they've already started, how do you get them to really mellow out or stop doing that until you can, you know, let the brain develop. And then, you know, then it's like, well, the more when, once they use it a certain point when they're older, their chances of having problematic use just go down dramatically. Right. Oh God. <laughs> I know. So now we get to the hard oh, part of how do we do that? Right. Right. Like, right. Because, you know, yeah. and listeners know, you know, the, I am a positive discipline trainer and um, I talk a lot about uh, maintaining relationship and how really it's that the most powerful tool we have for influencing mm-hmm. behavior is the relationship that we nurture. And um, yes, we I encourage everybody and myself to share our values over and over and over. And at the end of the day, they're running out into the world with these crazy overactive reward centers Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes maybe thinking like, oh, yeah, that was that one thing that I know my mom doesn't really want me to do. But yeah, what are the like, what's the likelihood that she's going to, you know, know, or it's probably going to be fine or whatever. They're having these mm-hmm. experiences. And at my like I'm my I, beautiful thing about relationship is my teenager shares like she lets mm-hmm. me know when, you know, most of the time I'm not an idiot. I, I'm sure that there are things that she's keeping to herself. Yeah. Um, but she also has, is pretty open. And so like, how do I navigate that? I mean, how do I say it's natural? Of course, your brain wants to experience an experiment and take risks without it saying like, and you know, let me know how it goes. <laughs> right. Right. With, and also not saying like, I mean, yes, it's not okay, but we're not, I mean, ultimately what can like, okay, ultimately we have no frigging control, you know, like I I can't say, I mean, yes, there is, there is like certain boundaries that, you know, consequences will show up, but we're not of the, the, like, I'm just, I'm just kind of at a loss. Yeah. I mean, I think this is really hard. This is such a hard, uh, a hard thing to navigate because there's, for those parents who, who, who are sort of pre, you know, like who have younger kids who are like, yeah, kind of I'm sorry, I'm sure you're terrified now, but just no, relax. no, no, I'm no, I'm not. Cause I think, cause I think that I, cause what I, what I really think is a, is, is similar in that, like really being present and hearing what's happening mm-hmm. with your kids, being with them, having that strong relationship is incredibly important, important. Yeah. Number one, that's like number one. Yeah. But I think then having set setting really clear expectations and talking about them in various ways. So people who who have younger kids may bring it up in various ways, like why they think it's concerning, try to bring in some of the parts around brain development. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you that I think now when you're in a position where they may be experimenting or they're, you know, I think there's a way to continue to bring in the thread around why it's concerning Mm -hmm. and what are the things that they're, and really linking it to what do they want to get out of their, what, what goals do they have? What future aspirations do they have? And how might this get in the way of those things? And some of those things may be, brain development stuff and really like about their health. Some of them may be things that like getting suspended from school or 
not be, those are like real, Yeah. whether you, they want them to be, or whether you think that's an appropriate response or not, it's still the reality. And so helping them sort of see some of those things, I think is really helpful in your setting up the expectations. And, and then I'd say third, it's like, I'm really, um, have become, as I've done this work, I've really become a pretty big advocate for using restorative practices and mm -hmm. really trying to figure out how do, because with restorative practices, it's not like you're just saying like, oh, okay, you know, you did say sorry. It's really about how do we hold them accountable while also providing them support. So like in this situation, it's like, what is it for her that she's getting out of this? Mm -hmm. Like really digging in a little bit more about like, what, what were you thinking when this happened? Like what was, what was happening for you and figuring out like, is this experimentation? Mm -hmm. And she's like looking for the thrill. And then how do you figure out how else to get thrills right mm -hmm. without it being that? Yeah. Or is this about social connection? Like she's just seeking out wanting to be with buddies and friends who think she's cool and she thinks are cool. And yeah. you know, like, is it about that or, or is there something deeper like a, like a mental health or other issue where she's self-medicating and right. something else is going on that may meet need a different set of supports, like maybe counseling about what's happening for her. Why is this meeting this, you know, or coping skills, like building some coping skills. So I think for each kid, there's going to be a little bit of a different thing that happens when we find out a little bit more and you have the relationship. So finding out more, you may actually really be able to dig in there and figure that out. And then I think there is the piece around holding them accountable, having them hear or think about how they might be harming themselves or others around mm -hmm. them by the, through this behavior. So for instance, I work with a school who's really trying to implement more restorative practices in there with, in regards to substance use, in regards to everything, but, mm -hmm. and they're trying to change their policy. So it's not so punitive, but it really has this restorative piece in it. And they had a bunch of kids who got in trouble for vaping in the, in a bathroom. <sighs> vaping. God, yeah. <laughs> so annoying. Yeah, I've seen Snapchat stories where the kids are in class. Yes. Blowing it yes. into their backpacks. I know. Like, grown-ups, so, get your head out of so your So one of the things that was really interesting is that these kids, like, upon, okay, so they're like, what's the big deal? I'm just, you know, yeah. so you can tell them the health effects and you can tell them all this other stuff. But in the end, for, for one of them, like a really big thing was hearing in this restorative work they were doing, he got to hear that there were a bunch of ninth graders who were scared to go to the bathroom. Mm. And that like was really struck him. Mm -hmm. And for another one, it was really about the fact that now he was going to be suspended from the sports team and couldn't play on, you know, so that really struck that person. So I think there's, but the restorative practice allows for that kind of thing to happen of them mm -hmm. to discover like, wow, where is this harming other people and maybe possibly themselves? Hey, everybody, sorry to interrupt the interview. I know it's a good one that you're on the edge of your seat thinking, oh, my gosh, teenagers. But I wanted to pop in and I wanted to remind you that we are coming to the end of January and the end of the possibility to get your hands on Journey to Joy 
for the amazing price of $29. So the price of the program will go up after January. So I just wanted to remind you, it's a really great stepping stone into the work of Joyful Courage. What you will learn, what you will take away is a practice that you will develop for yourself around how to really be in those moments of overwhelm and challenge and not take the action that you're currently taking that leaves you feeling shame, guilt, bad about yourself. It is a three-part offer that supports you in developing awareness, in creating that access to yourself, your body, so that you can have more perspective around what's happening, when it's happening, and respond to what's showing up rather than react. So head on over to www.joyfulcourage.com joy www.joyfulcourage.com slash joy and sign up today. Now let's get back to the show. And what I'm really hearing, like all of this conversation that we're having with kids, I think that I just want to highlight that it really comes down, like having powerful conversations requires the adult and the teenager to be in solid relationship. Yeah. Right. And so like, I really want, I'm listening to that and I'm hearing, and I really want the listeners to tune into that. Like, because I also, you know, there's also the argument that I've heard that it's like, you know, enough talk, Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) enough of this talk, it's not making a difference. But I think that what I'm learning is I am on my life path and my children are on their own individual life paths. Mm -hmm. And you know, and I can continue to love them and provide what, you know, their basic needs. And I can continue to put aside my craziness, right? Because that's Mm -hmm. the other thing that gets triggered in all of this is that overwhelming fear, right? That Mm -hmm. overwhelming, you're going to be dead in a ditch. Thank you to my mom, who that was always her thing, dead in a ditch. Yeah, And now it's my thing, right? It comes really (laughs) strong. And then we move from that place of fear and and we get punitive, we get rigid, we get inflexible. And in that process, we are actually pushing them further away from us, making it less likely that they're going to come to us. And so while I get that, that I understand where less talk, more action comes from, it's such a different mindset to recognize that the most powerful tool that you have is this relationship. And inside of that is these important conversations and they are ultimately going to make the decisions that they make. Ah. They are. And I, but, and I do think there is power. I do think though, not hiding. Um, so there's the part around the fear, like we need to hold in, you know, hold uh-huh. in that part of our, that's irrational fear. But I do think there are times we listen, we need to listen to our gut. Yeah. And I think that it's okay to say to them, I, you know, this, be, this is disappointing, or this is really hard for me, or this is, oh, I yeah. think it's okay to be very clear about, um, some of the things that they need to hear how it's impacting you right. because they still need to know that stuff. Like we don't want to be like, ah, oh, it's no big deal. Cause right, I mean, right. I see lots of people allow their kids to drink in the basement. That's still happening a ton. And where, you know, their kids are 16, 17 and they're like, well, at least I'm having the party here. We, we see that (sighs) a lot. And I think that what I'm trying to really, we're trying to help people understand is that 
young people, nuance is difficult for them, right? So if you're drinking in the basement and parents let you drink in the basement, well, what's the big deal if I drink over here or if I do it over there? Like they aren't great with nuance. They're a little more black and white. And so I'm not suggesting, you know, that we get super punishment oriented. I actually don't think punishment works at all. Mm -hmm. But I do think really having frank conversations and figuring out what is, what are some of the contributing problems and how do we kind of try to manage those? So if, if there is an issue with texting all night, here's one thing I'll say, sleep is incredibly important. Oh my gosh. I cannot emphasize that enough. God, she just, my girl, she's like, mom, I really don't need that much sleep. I'm like, Hey, listen, it's science. Yeah. And so put this in the bucket of science as well. We know that kids use less, they use less drugs if they sleep more. Oh man. Bedtime's eight o'clock now. Yeah. (laughs) But I just mean, even like the texting at all hours of the night and the, you know, that kind of stuff, like if that's contributing, there may need to be a couple days without the phone. Mm -hmm. And I'm not suggesting it's like, no one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky, wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking It. You did this, therefore I punish you. It's like, hey, how is this connected to the problem? And having them be kind of natural consequences that come with part of the problem, which can be difficult to do, but I think it's... Well, it's okay to have a phone curfew, people. Oh, yes. Like, it's okay to say you can't have your phone in your room overnight. Yes. That's not punitive. That's just not. It's it's really just saying I, I, as the parent, there are a couple things that are like these lines for me. And what's interesting is that they often start to understand, they get the lines. Like, if you establish them, Mm -hmm. yes, they'll try to bump up against them. But eventually they 
often if you've really, if you're in good relationship with them, they, they stay and then you slowly work on drawing out the boundaries further and further mm-hmm. together. And of course that is messy. Oh, it's so messy. messy. Yeah. So messy. But I think that's the whole, the whole project is about like, how do we balance nurture and structure? Mm -hmm. Like, How do we hold those two things at the same time while we're, and sometimes we get a little more structured and sometimes we have to really do work on our nurturing. You know, Mm -hmm. it's, we're all struggling, you know, struggling through this together for Mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what I said previously about the fear piece. I love that you circled back and and yes, absolutely sharing our concerns. Um, what I was speaking into though is sometimes fear, if we're not present and mindful, fear, it, it becomes this, it can become this, it's like a freight train oh, that totally. takes us off into crazy land. Um, if we're not recognizing like, oh, of course, I am feeling concerned right now, but yeah, I do not need to give this 30 minute lecture and take everything away. And like it gets, <laughs> yeah. I, oh, yeah. you know, that was my experience earlier this fall. It was like, I couldn't even relax my belly. Like right, I just right, couldn't right. breathe it out. And it was really interesting. And anyway, I had a little energy work done and it's all much better and I'm much calmer. Oh, that's good. And and so I can be with my concern, right? As a parent, right. we can be with our concerns without allowing fear to take over and get in the way of what yes. needs to happen. That's just wanted to yeah, retouch on that. Yeah, and become like kind of irrational yeah, totally. and become like so that you can't hear even where they're coming from or what's happening for them because you're just in a space of freaking out. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, exactly. I do think that's like so and it's such an important place to be and really and I think that's how we get to understanding them and where they're coming from. And so we can respond in ways that are helpful. I think it's like, yeah, go So go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. No, please go ahead. Well, yes. And like you mentioned earlier and you know, when should we panic? I mean, I don't think we should ever panic, but that's not helpful. But when should we like really feel like, Oh, this might be bigger than what, this whole relationship piece is how do we know when it's really how do we know Liz I know it's a hard it's a there's like heart fine lines in there right but I think that as a as a way of 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 some guidance on Mm -hmm. it is perfect we talk about these sort of changes in the what what I'd say are the five p's so it's it's major changes in either their physical, like physical appearance, Mm -hmm. personality changes, participation, like they were into this and now they don't, won't do school or they won't do art or they won't do any of the things that they really loved. They spend time with a totally group of different group of people all of a sudden, or they're not, their public image is really changed considerably. So again, it's not like any they're like bad or good. It's just that there's been major changes, um, in those five areas, I Mm -hmm. think are a time to say who maybe something is happening here that I need to really have some guidance with a professional on like that might be a time to, and there's so many awesome people out there who are really adept at helping people assessing like, where, where are we at? Are we Mm -hmm. at the experimentation phase or are we at like, or is this really just, or is there something deeper happening that we really need to work on with them and be supportive about? Um, 
So I would say those are kind of the things, major things we're looking for. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And it's a little terrifying, um, mostly because there's also so many, like I'm thinking about individuation, which is a really natural yes. process, and right? Yes. And And sometimes I could see individuation being like a public image shift and changing interests and so like it's it's so basically i'm saying it's messy it's not cut and dry it it, it's true and i would say that it's really um one of those things that really it's like if you're i think there are some core things though like they they love i mean it's the teenagers are all about trying on new new ways of being in the world that's that's totally um something that just comes with the territory and a lot of this stuff is, but I would say that there are some things though, like if you, if they have for the first 15 years of their life been totally like, I'm going to be such and such, like I'm going to do, I'm going to be a musician or Mm -hmm. I'm going to be, you know, and all of a sudden that's of no importance. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I, I worked with, I was worked with this family who they're, they were able to say their son who was really you smoking a lot of weed Mm -hmm. and they, the dad was using like lots of punitive measures Mm -hmm. and he was not able to, that wasn't working. Mm -hmm. Um, and so he, we actually had this, we did like, we called them parent meetups and we had this parent meetup. And so then he actually came back like a, like a year later to, to talk to me about it and just said, you know, I, I found myself, I, I actually went back to him and said, listen, here's what I'm going to back to the relationship and just saying, I'm so concerned because you used to love music and want to be a musician. And now I never see you play anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm, you don't even, it's nothing you're even interested in. And I'm so concerned because of this and how you used to be with your friends and how you used to be really into your sister and help her out. And now you're not even mm-hmm. like, you don't, that concerns me and was able to like, sort of bring it back down to the mm-hmm. relationship. Mm-hmm. And his son was like, really, it, it struck him yeah, because it was such a turn of events. And so he was able to really hear that in a different way. And I think that that's the conversation having with them is like, what's, what's happening for you and, and how do we help them through that change? And I think it's okay to change all those things, your physical change, personality, participation. Mm-hmm. It's just, if it's all happening at once, yeah. drugs and alcohol may be impacting that, you know, yeah. and may have, and it may be worth just having a conversation with somebody who can help guide through like, what can we do about this? And actually there's great online resources. There's a, um, this, tw- there's a bunch of them. So there's drugfree.org is great. Um, and they have awesome parent stuff in there. There's also, a um, this 20 minute guide it's called, and it's really about helping parents use motivational interviewing. So it's essentially saying to your kids, like, Hey, what do you want in your life? And like trying to use motivational interviewing to help them identify how whatever their use is might be problematic or get in the way of that. Yeah. So is that on the drugfree.org? No, it's separate. It's, it's, um, called the 20 minute guide.com. Okay. Okay. And that one's great too. So anyway, there's a lot of great resources out there. And I think that, um, and then there's like locally in each community, you know, and school social workers are awesome resources. Yeah. You know, they're really great resources for helping with this kind of navigating some of this difficult, this difficult stuff. Yeah. And I think that for me, what I've noticed, and I, I think I've mentioned this is 
you know, I think it's really important for all of us to have those, um, those friendships, like the parents having friendships where you can be really honest about what's going on with your kids. And I've realized too, like I need to pick from, I know I have a lot of friends and not all of them are the ones that I want to go to. I want to go to the ones who aren't going to say, oh yeah, wow, we haven't, you know, yeah, we haven't dealt with any of that. Like that makes me want to kill people. Yeah. But when I, I have my little handful that I know I could shoot a text to them and they're going to respond yeah. with, yep, this is where, I, you know, like there's camaraderie in navigating this really, you know, quasi normal, natural period of time where kids are doing stupid things. Yep. And so that's been really powerful for me too, um, on my journey and, um, and really recognizing who those people are. Yeah. And I was actually just going to say, I said, I was just going to say that finding other people in your life to mm-hmm. help got through, move through this period, whether yeah. it's like people, like you're saying people are totally on the same page or whether it's like the, the parents of your friends, your kids, mm-hmm. friends, like trying to figure out how to create relationships with them or, yeah. or just finding other people because there's so much stigma around this. Yeah. And so people tend to retreat right. when problems happen and like, don't reach out. And that's, that's when things get really difficult for everybody. And like the more, because everybody is dealing with whether it's easy right now or not, everybody's dealing with somebody in their house who's really changing significantly and mm-hmm. a lot's happening. And mm-hmm. so how do we find other people in our lives that can help us just support us through this really difficult, that what can be difficult, what can be really amazing too, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like trying to get psyched about the amazing stuff. Cause they are, they can, man, they're, they're learning new things every day. They're bringing home new stuff. They're challenging us in ways, keeping us lifelong learners. There's amazing things about it, but it can be really hard too to navigate and emotionally taxing on a relate, you know, your yeah. spouse relationship and, you know, can yeah. be difficult. And you're not alone. Like that's what I'm yeah. hearing you say too. It's, it's easy to feel isolated and oh my gosh, it's just my family, but start to reach out and you'll find that you are not alone on this journey and, um, and there are resources. Thank you. I'm going to make sure those, um, websites are on in the show notes. Yeah. So is there anything else that you can share any final thoughts for listeners just around? And I'm really appreciating Liz also that you are highlighting that it is, it is a really amazing period of time. Like I'm having a great time, even as some of it is not so great. Um, yeah. I, it is, it's fun. It's funny. It's like yeah. flashback after flashback and that's totally, well, this is a whole nother tangent, <laughs> but it's like, I was no angel. Right. So, right. you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, there's a part of you that could appreciate that <laughs> of wanting to do and be your own thing. Yeah. I mean, I guess my last thoughts would be to say too, that, you know, it's, there's so much, you know, there can be all this uncertainty and change. And I just, and that all we know that like all of us have incredibly flexible and learning brains. And mm-hmm. so the bad stuff that happens, 
we can all be resilient from that, Mm -hmm. right? Like there's resilience always. And so in the midst of stuff that feels horrible and awful and how is this ever, you know, the brain and the, and we, and people are really resilient and that we can grow and change and the brain does develop and grow and change. And, and so that any, all the bad stuff can be, we can, we can be flexible and change and heal. Yeah. So I think that as people, you know, we just have to kind of move through this time being who has open and breathing through it as we can. Yes. Meditate and, everyone. Yes. And really daily ho- and, and <laughs> find support. Yeah, truly. I can't say enough of how many parents I've talked to who feel alone and lonely in this mm-hmm. and that finding others is really has been incredibly important for them. Yeah. Well, and and so my final question that I always end with is in the context, well, for you, it's in the context of parenting teens, what does joyful courage mean to you? I think for me, it means, you know, trying to see all those amazing things that are happening Mm -hmm. as you move through adolescence, you know, all the ways that we're learning new things, bringing, they're bringing new ideas and new things into our lives keeping us on our toes. And also it means having the courage to stick with our values and listening to our instincts. Yeah. Thank you. Where can listeners find you and follow your work? Um, well, I'm actually working on a web page. It's coming soon. It will be birchlanestrategies.com. And they can also find me on LinkedIn right now and Liz Blackwell Moore. Okay. I will put links to both of those even, and with a little parentheses under construction on your website, but I'll make sure all that's in the show notes. And thank you so much, Liz, for coming on. This was super helpful and fun. And even though it's scary, it's an important, it's important. Got to keep talking about it. (laughs) Exactly. Thank you so much for having me. Joyful Courage community, you're amazing. Big thanks and love to my team, including my producer, Chris Mann at Pod Shaper. Be sure to join in the discussion over at the Live and Love with Joyful Courage group page, as well as the Joyful Courage business page on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe to the show through Apple Podcasts or really anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. You can view the current Joyful Courage swag over at the webpage, intention cards, bracelets, e-course offers, the membership program, one-on-one coaching. It's all waiting for you to take a look. Simply head to www.joyfulcourage.com slash yes. That's joyfulcourage.com slash Y-E-S to find more support for your conscious parenting journey. Any comments or feedback about this show or any others can be sent to Casey at joyfulcourage.com. I personally read and respond to all the emails that come my way. Reach out, take a breath, drop into your body, find the balcony seat and trust that everyone is going to be okay. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. 
you get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.